Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain, and I am happy. I am elated to say it's a victory Monday. That is right, folks. The Steelers are victorious for the first time since week one. My gosh, this streak has been rough. The Steelers find a way to win, and we can nitpick the result all we want, but the Steelers find a way to win at a time when not many people gave them a chance at a time when not many people even thought there was a reason for them to continue to play games. Everyone was picking against them except for me. We'll get to that in a second, but still the Steelers find a way 20 to 18. It was not always pretty, but the Steelers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Acroshore stadium. And in doing so in doing so, They end the four-game skid. It's been snapped, done, over. But also, something I didn't even think about. When we went on the post-game show, that's we, it's myself, Dave Schofield, and Brian Davis. Dave said, and it's the Steelers' first win without TJ Watt. And it's like, wow, light bulb went off. Man, this is the first time the Steelers have won a game since he was drafted in 2017 without him in the lineup. That is absurd, but it's done. It's over with. They can finally say they've won a game without T.J. Watt, and it honestly couldn't happen at a better time, not just because of the streaks, not just because of the record 1-4, but because they beat Tom Brady. That's right, old Tommy boy, that chump, scumbag. I can't stand that guy. If you listen to the Steelers preview this past Thursday, uh, same trio that I just mentioned that's on the postgame show. I talked about how I can't stand Tom Brady. I can't stand anything about that guy. It has, it has very little to do with his success in New England. It has everything to do with him being a scumbag of all scumbags. With his perfect, uh, you know, everyone always says, oh, he's like the golden boy. He can do no wrong. I, I'm sorry. I'm punching holes in all those narratives. For me, the guy said, oh, I'm, I'm going to take a pay cut. The Patriots aren't going to pay me, but do you know about the Patriots funneling money to him through the TV12 Foundation? Probably not, but it happened. Oh, Tom Brady, he went, he got out of New England. He wanted to go down to Tampa Bay. Pfft, screw that. Do you not know about the narrative of him trying to orchestrate this grand scheme with Sean Payton leaving New Orleans, coming to Miami, him retiring, coming out of retirement, going to Miami, being a part owner. Like, this is nuts. This guy's a dirtbag. I'm so glad the Steelers were able to beat him one last time. I know he's a cyborg. I called him a zombie. Brian Davis called him a cyborg. His his analogy was probably better than mine, I'll be honest. But I'm sure that he might continue to play. But this one last time was sweet. It was sweet. It was sweet because Tom Brady... Couldn't beat that Steelers secondary. That's right, that Steelers secondary. The secondary that didn't have Akella Witherspoon, didn't have Cam Sutton, didn't have Levi Wallace, didn't have uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, and he couldn't do it. Suck on that, Tom Brady. Earmuffs to all the kids in the car like Deanna that's probably on her way to take care. (laughs) All right, folks, let's, let's get down to it. My thoughts on the game outside of that. I want to look back at the keys to victory I had and see if, I, if, if, if the Steelers kind of went along my path 
And we'll see. On offense, I said you had to open things up, especially on first downs. There was a lot of predictability. We'll talk about the play calling here during the first half of the show for sure. Second, I said balance is key. And if you count wide receiver runs, we're talking about all those runs and a lot of wide receiver runs in this game, Claypool, Johnson, Pickens, Sims, they were 30 passes to 29 runs. That's pretty darn balanced in my opinion. Now, the last one I thought was the most important. That was no turnovers. They cannot give it away. It wasn't just try to keep it clean. It was no turnover. They didn't. They did not turn the ball over. So that was huge. Now, on the defensive side, I said you got to help out the offense, third downs, takeaways. They didn't take the ball away, but they did win in those weighty downs. We'll talk about that defense in the winners and losers section in the second half of this podcast. Stop the run. They held the Tampa Bay Bucks to 75 yards on the ground. Hey, that's a kudos to that. Leonard Fournette's a tough back to bring down. And lastly, get Brady uncomfortable. He had only been sacked seven times on the season. I also said get him off schedule and moving. It's your only hope they did that. They did that with quarterback hits. I think the Steelers had five quarterback hits. Let me double check on that stat quick. Yes, five quarterback hits. They sacked Brady twice. That was huge. That was huge. Tom Brady could never get comfortable. He could never get comfortable, and it was a large reason why the Steelers won that game. But, you know, something funny on Friday, on my show for Friday, I totally forgot I had done two special teams keys, something I normally don't do, and that's why I just breezed through. But here's what I wrote down. They need to make the kicks that are available. I thought Presley Harvin had a good game. Chris Boswell goes two for two. He needed every inch of that 55-yarder to get it through. It hits off the upright and goes in. And then I said you got to create splash, and Steven Sims did just that. So they did. They followed my keys. Not that they listen, but still, it kind of validates my thinking when it comes to uh, you know what I think the Steelers need to do to win a particular football game. So the one thing outside of the fact that the Steelers win – And that's great is our injuries. It's always a talking point coming out of a game, our injuries. And so here's what we know about the Steelers injury report after the game at Acroshore Stadium on Sunday. We know Kenny Pickett left with a concussion. Now, I want to make something very clear. We've talked about concussion protocol a lot on this show. Pat Fryermuth is dealing with a concussion. Levi Wallace is dealing with a concussion. Terrell Edmonds dealt with a concussion earlier in the year. I've talked about the protocols enough. What needs to happen for a player to actually be clear to the protocol? But I want to make something very clear. I have been trained with concussion protocols, all that good stuff, you know, from a coach to an educator to whatever. Anyone that knows anything about concussions knows that not all concussions are created equal. And not every human body heals the same way that the other human body heals. So when you think about a concussion, whether it's a severe or minor one, sometimes they can come back quickly. Sometimes it can take them longer. Please don't make any assumptions about Kenny Pickett's availability this week. No one knows. No one knows whether Kenny Pickett will be cleared or not. I do think that the NFL is going to be very vigilant with concussions, obviously after the Tua situation down in Miami, but still, he's concussed. He's in the protocol. Don't expect anything from Mike Tomlin on Tuesday because he's just going to say he's going to continue to be in the protocol. You're going to have to watch the injury reports, see if he's a limited full participant, that's going to be telling. I'm not going to sit here and tell you right now that there's zero chance he'll play on Sunday night because there is a chance he'll play on Sunday night. It just depends. We don't know. So Kenny Pickett left the game in the second half. We'll talk about the quarterbacks in a second. Larry O, he left the game but was able to return, and so was Miles Jack with an ankle. Now, Larry O, I'm assuming, 
And this is an assumption is because Mike Tomlin didn't say anything about the specificity of the injury in the post-game press conference. I'm assuming it's his back. That's what he missed time with this week. I'm assuming it's his back, but he's able to come in, come in and play well. James Pierre left the game with a stinger. And again, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah, your quarterback gets hurt. That's never a good thing. But ultimately, you're looking at getting some players back next week, most likely. You would hope that Minka Fitzpatrick's knee would be at a place where he could return. You're looking at at least hopefully getting two of the three of your cornerbacks back. But again, I don't know how serious Cam Sutton's hamstring is. Akella Witherspoon's missed three games in a row. Hasn't even practiced. So if it's a serious hamstring injury for Cam Sutton and they decide, hey, we're just going to let him rest until after the bye week, okay, then you hope to get Akella Witherspoon back at practice at some point. You hope Levi Wallace and Pat Fryermuth are clear to return. Those are some of the people they could get back. So believe it or not, the Steelers, as of right now, they're kind of on the other side of that injury hump for now. That can change quickly. All right, the quarterback. Everyone wants to talk about the quarterback. I've got people that listen to my podcast that follow me on Twitter that when I finish the game, folks, I cannot tell you how busy I am after a game. I mean, a 1 o'clock game, the game ends, and the first thing I have to do is I have to start making sure, obviously, the game recap article gets published. i got to make sure everything else is ready to go, getting stuff on Facebook, getting the team together. We have to do the post-game press conference, but we always listen to Mike Tomlin's post-game presser afterwards before we go live for our own podcast, our post-game podcast. That's what I meant to say. And then... After that, I typically go and eat dinner with my family. I'm writing notes during dinner for my podcast. Then I got to come down here and do the podcast, get articles ready, get everything scheduled and edited, blah, 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 all that stuff. And so everyone's freaking out on Twitter and they're like, Jeff, I don't hear any Mitch Trubisky positive talk. Like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm not tweeting at all. I have nothing against Mitch Trubisky. Never have, never will. Did I think that he was a better quarterback than Kenny Pickett? No. I made that very clear. I thought Kenny Pickett should be starting since week one. But I'm not bashing Mitch Trubisky by me not tweeting something out. So literally in the middle of our postgame podcast, I tweet out, all my followers want me to say something positive about Mitch Trubisky. He played well. He came in. Nothing to lose. And he balled out. So props to Mitch Trubisky. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Oh, he didn't play well, and oh, that throw should have been... Yeah, Mitch Trubisky is a flawed quarterback. If he was a perfect quarterback, he would not have been on the open market. He'd still be in Chicago. But at the same time, he made big plays in big moments, and that's something the Steelers desperately needed. They desperately needed it. But now, getting that out of the way, everyone's wondering, is there going to be a quarterback controversy in Pittsburgh? Is there going to be... A quarterback controversy. Are are the Steelers potentially going to stick with Mitch even if Kenny's healthy? Well, I don't believe that there will be or that there should be a quarterback controversy. I think that Mitch Trubisky came in off the bench, did his job, and that if Kenny Pickett's healthy and when Kenny Pickett's healthy, he takes over again at quarterback. But you know, this is why everyone always said, well, I don't understand why Mace is QB3, and I don't understand why you bring in Mitch Trubisky if you're going to sign or select Kenny Pickett, 20th overall with your first-round pick. This is why. This is exactly why. Anyone that owns insurance, I don't care if it's car insurance, if it's life insurance, if it's uh, you know whatever, homeowner's insurance, you sit there and you hate writing the check every month until you need the insurance, and then you say, Damn, I am glad I have insurance. That's what the Steelers are saying right now. So they turn to Kenny Pickett. I, You know that I think that was a good call, is the right thing to do. You may disagree. 
That's neither here nor there. None of us made that call. Mike Tomlin did. So then Kenny Pickett leaves the game with a concussion, and what do you have? You have your insurance policy insurance policy ready to come in off the bench, and he delivers. That's why you have the insurance policy. So from the, the quarterback standpoint, let's just play it by ear. If Mitch has to start the game on Sunday night and Mason Rudolph, because if Kenny Pickett's not healthy enough to play and start, they don't need him in the lineup. They make him inactive. They, they dress Mason Rudolph, and you go into that game with those two quarterbacks. If he is healthy enough to play, then he plays. I never understood that. You know, if Kenny Pickett has a diagnosed concussion and he is healthy enough to play, then you play him. And if he's not healthy enough to play, then you don't make him active and you give the helmet to Mason Rudolph for the first time. But you know the thing is about the offense. Because this offense, they scored 20 points, was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination at any any stretch of the imagination, whether whoever the quarterback was. There are still issues that need to be resolved on this offense, and they're not all on the players. And I'm not talking about just the quarterback, the offensive line, the receivers, running backs, whatever. This offense still has issues. And the one thing that you notice over and over and over again, repeatedly throughout the season, are these ongoing brain farts the team has. These brain fart moments. You know, things like not getting the play call in time. And that's on the coordinator, and that's the coordinator getting it down to Mike Sullivan, possibly. I'm not sure how that communication works with the Steelers. Whatever it is, when you see Kenny Pickett, he's over there, he's spinning his hand like a wheel. Come on, guys, let's go. We got to get a call in. And I'm watching the game with Dave Schofield, and we're watching the play clock. I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're not even lined up. There's only seven seconds left. Well, guess what that does to a defense? That tells the defense they have to snap the ball at that time. And if they don't, I'm teeing off because either they're going to get flagged for a delay game or I'm timing this thing perfectly. It's exactly what happened when Mitch, when uh, Kenny Pickett was sacked early. I think it was the second drive of the game and pinned him deep, and Presley Harvin had to kick a punt from with his heels on his own end line. So that stuff, that's a brain fart moment. The penalties, my gosh, the penalties. Those are brain fart moments. You know, you have a big play, and here it comes back. How many times have we seen a run that looks like it's, maybe that's why it looked good, but you see a run, and you're like, yes, there we go, getting some momentum, and flag on the play. We have a holding, probably on Kevin Dotson, 10 yards, and there goes that drive. Or when you think about the the play and the final drive, this the, the drive the Steelers had in the fourth quarter, I believe there was 4.30-something left. They run the ball on first down, and Najee Harris, he rips off eight yards. Oh, man, second and two. This is perfect. What happens on second down? Mason Cole throws a hard line drive ground ball right at Mitch Trubisky's left ankle, and it goes by him. Thank goodness Mitch Trubisky recovered that fumble. But what's what happens? Third and 16. Third and 16? You had a second and two? These are the brain farts this team can just not get out of their system. And it's not just the players. They have to get out of their own way. From the coaches on down to the players, they will not see any type of success or sustained success until they're able to do that. These brain farts on offense are infuriating. Absolutely infuriating from the coordinator and the play calls all the way down to some of the execution on the field. Now, looking back at predictions, you know, a lot of the people at BTSC, when the injury report came out on Friday and DeMarvin Leal was ruled out and all these players were ruled out and then Leal goes on IR and all this stuff. They decided to change their picks. Uh, Brian Davis changed his pick. 
Um, I think a lot of people went in and changed their picks in the article that we run every week. I did not. I kept my pick. First, I just didn't have time to, to go around and changing it. Second, I'm an optimist, okay? You'll learn about you'll learn this about me in case you're a first-time listener. But the one thing I kept on thinking is that this defense is due for a performance. And I knew that their backs were up against the wall, and I knew that these players were just they're no names. Let's call a spade a spade. No one knew who Josh Jackson was before he came to the Steelers. Nor does anyone think Trey Norwood is is really much anything other than just a seventh round pick. Yet the defense played out of their minds. When you think about all the things considered, I mean, look at the defensive backs. Trey Norwood, seventh-round pick, second year. Trell Edmonds, the lone veteran. James Pierre, he's had experience, but he's never performed well over a length of time. Josh Jackson, Quincy Wilson, Elijah Riley. Who are these guys? It reminds me of the scene in Major League. I love baseball movies, if you haven't told. I just think they're the best. Where they're looking at the paper when they when they announce their roster for the upcoming season. They go, who the hell are these guys? That's what I felt like right there. These guys in the diner going, who are these guys? These guys stink. That's what they had. I said Liao got to, went to IR, so I, Isaiah Loudermilk got a helmet. That's what the defense was dealing with, and they went out. Coaches had a great plan. Players executed. They fooled Tom Brady. Yeah, that's right. Tom Brady, the GOAT. TB12 couldn't figure out Norwood, Edmonds, Pierre, Jackson, Wilson, and O'Reilly. He couldn't do it, and he didn't do it, which makes it even better. But you know, one last thing before we take a break here. At two and four, okay, two and four, it's not good. It's not good. It's not what anyone expected. But at two and four, with Miami coming up on Sunday night and then at Philly before the bye week, I've always said, I I said this on the preview, I said it on one of my podcasts last week, I'm sure. If they could just win, I think they could win at least one of their last three games. Well, they did that. If they could win one more, the AFC North is wide open, folks. I don't know if you know this or not. Baltimore loses to the New York Giants. They're 3-3. and They still have sole possession of first place because the Bengals, they have the head-to-head win. Cincinnati was able to pull off a win against New Orleans. They're 3-3 and as well. Cleveland loses to New England. They're 2-4. and They've got fans booing like crazy. And Pittsburgh's win keeps them one game back. One game. So here's the thing. I'm the eternal optimist here, people, and I'm not going to apologize about that once ever, ever. I'm never going to apologize about that. But you know what? I'm not going to be rooting for a draft slot. If you all are someone out there that says, oh, this win sucks, because now they they would have they could have had a top seven draft pick. You know what? Go root for another team. Go root for another team. I'm not rooting for a draft slot. There's no white flag here, folks. If you want a, someone that's going to be in it for the long haul, you're at the right place. And if you are like me, you are part of my ride or die crew, and I appreciate the hell out of every each and every one of you. All right. When we come back, I've got winners and losers. Ten winners and two losers. It's been a while since we've had a show like this, folks. So. Take a break, catch your breath. We come back, we got winners and losers. We'll be right back. All 
right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second half of the Let's Ride podcast. You know what we do every time after a game. It's time for the winners and losers segment. Like I said before the break, winners and losers, I had 10 winners and two losers. It's been a while since we've had a fun one. It's been a while since we've had this many winners and this few losers. Yet here we are, so let's get right to it. The winners list, Larry Ogunjobi, or as we call him on this podcast, Larry. He's the first winner. Stat line, five tackles, three of those solo, one tackle for loss, and two quarterback hits. You might look at that stat line and think, eh, it's kind of mundane, Jeff, Like to be a winner. If you watch that game, Larry Ogunjobi was a wrecking crew on the interior, and this is what the Steelers needed. So without T.J. Watt, everything the offense is going to do is going to be to take Cam Hayward out of the game. That's what they're going to try and do. So someone else has to win a one-on-one matchup. Is it Alex Highsmith? In today's case, I'm sorry, Sunday's case, it was Larry Ogunjobi. Larry's the one that stood tall, made the tackles. He was wreaking havoc in the backfield. It was great to see he's on the winner's list. Next, Steven Sims. Steven Sims, his offensive production, I'm not even going to talk about it. His stat line, he's had three kickoff returns for 112 yards and an 89-yard long. That run back was phenomenal. And it was just the spark the Steelers needed. It's funny, I was sitting with Dave Schofield, and we were watching the game. And before that kickoff, Sims was fielding a punt. And I was bemoaning the Steelers' return team, saying, these guys stink, because Sims was catching the ball, making the first man miss, and he was running into his own players. Not his fault that the blockers aren't getting out and making their blocks. And so because of that, I was really ticked off. But that kickoff return for an 89-yard long to start the second half, the only thing that sucks about that play is the Steelers weren't able to punch it in for a touchdown. That could have been, I mean, the 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 lid would have been blown off of Akershire Stadium if there was one. But still, you think about how they went from that huge high, that 89-yard return, and they settled for a field goal. Whatever, they win. That's what matters. But Steven Sims is a winner. The next is the patchwork secondary. I talked about it in the first half. I mean, you're talking about Trey Norwood, James Pierre, Josh Jackson, Quincy Wilson, Elijah Riley, Terrell Edmonds, who a lot of fans still love to hate. They kept that Tampa Bay offense to 18 points. 18 points. Now, like Mike Tomlin said in the postgame press conference, a lot of that, his pass rush, the five quarterback hits, the two sacks, yeah, that helps but you still have to have the players to execute the scheme. And the scheme that the coaching staff put together was clutch. It's the best way I could describe it. It was absolutely clutch. That patchwork secondary, I'm not expecting that group to be able to do that every week. I don't think they could. This was a plan for this week that they thought would work, and it did. It did. Congratulations to that secondary. All of those guys should feel great about themselves. They find themselves on the winner's list. Next, let's look at Chase Claypool. You look at his stat line. He had seven catches on seven targets. That's right. Every time the ball was thrown his way, he was making the catch. He had finished with 96 yards, receiving for a 13.7 average, one touchdown, and a 26-yard long. A great day for Chase Claypool. He tweeted out after the game that, you know, patience is key, I think, or something like that. But he talked about patience. Yes, he was patient. He kept it. He kept his mouth shut. You know, you think about people after the games and what they were saying. Most of it was Deontay Johnson who wasn't happy with whatever the case is. Chase Claypool had every right to be upset. You know, they're they're changing quarterbacks. He kept he kept his nose to the grindstone, and it pays off. Big game for him, but not no catches were bigger than the two third down conversions in the fourth quarter. 
great catches. If Chase Claypool and the Steelers offense can duplicate this type of success, it could be the beginning of, of, of a really good offensive plan that can grow from there. We'll put it that way. Next winner, Mitch Trubisky. Yes, for all you Mitch fans out there, this one's for you. And I, I put him on here. I didn't need peer pressured into this. I don't do that. His stat line speaks for itself. Nine for 12, 144 yards, a 12-yard average, one touchdown, no interceptions, one sack for six yards. And I also forgot that Mitch ran Six times for five yards. Some of those were kneel downs at the end. But still, it was really good to see Mitch Trubisky get out there and make plays. That's exactly what he did. Mitch looked different to me. You know, When he was the starter for this team, you could go back to Cleveland on Thursday night. You could talk about the Jets in the first half. You could go all the way back to week one. And he just, for the first time since I've been watching Mitch Trubisky play, because I'm going to be honest, I have not watched him play that much when he was when he was in Chicago. It was the first time I saw Mitch Trubisky actually look like he was letting the ball rip and not waiting and seeing if things developed and trying to be uber safe with the ball. That's fantastic. Mitch Trubisky played fantastic. I talked about this when Pickett came in and against the Jets. It is not easy coming off the bench and playing. But Mitch Trubisky, again, you talk about the insurance policy. He has a starter's experience. He has everything going for him when it comes to being able to come in and be successful, and he did just that. So kudos to Mitch Trubisky. I do. I am more confident now, if the Steelers are without Kenny Pickett on Sunday night, that Trubisky would give them a chance to win. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is that I think that I'm more confident now than I was even a week ago. Kudos to Mitch on the winner's list. Next, let's go to two players. I'm going to lump them into one, and that's the inside linebackers. So Devin Bush finishes with five tackles, four solo, and one pass defense, which doesn't actually count. I'm counting it because I can, and I'm doing this. The stat line doesn't show a pass defense, but I'm talking about the pass breakup. That was the pass intended for Chris Godwin over the middle, two-point conversion. He knocks it down. The Steelers end up winning by a two-point margin. Very huge clutch play. But then Miles Jack, eight tackles, six solo. He had to pass defense himself. That guy was all over the field. Miles Jack was a, I mean, he was noticeable. And I love the, if you were listening to the game like I was, if you were in a place where you could hear it, there was a play where he came up and he met Leonard Fournette, his former teammate in Jacksonville, in the hole, and they collided. That was a collision. And he gets up and the microphone's here. He gets up and goes, woo, damn, that hurt. I love it. I love that. I thought he's great. Those two players, who they, they get bashed a good bit. Devin Bush is really got bashed a lot. He's starting to kind of turn the corner, but those two guys deserve some credit. They're on the winner's list. The next winner is another guy that loves that people love to hate on, and that's Terrell Edmonds or Terrell Edmonds. Terrell Edmonds finishes with a team high 10 tackles. Six of those were solo. One of them was a tackle for a loss. I got to be honest. Getting Terrell Edmonds back, I'm sure that a lot of people kind of said, okay, you're getting Edmonds back. What the heck? What's the big deal? You're getting Edmonds back. And they they wanted to see Minka. And I get it. Minka's the all-pro. Minka's the guy that makes the splashy plays. But don't overestimate what Terrell Edmonds does for that secondary. Could you imagine for a second what that secondary, which I've already named them several times, would have been like without at least one veteran presence in the back end? 
Could you imagine if Trey Norwood and Elijah Riley were the safeties and they had to try to orchestrate and get everyone lined up and get the secondary on the same page? Talk about a nightmare. So that's not even a stat line thing. But Terrell Edmonds played a great game. He was noticeable. He was all over the field, coming up, making plays. And on top of that, I think he hopefully silenced some critics. I'll say it right now. If he continues playing like this, the dude should get another contract. He should get another contract with the Steelers. Let me preface that with the Steelers. All right, let's talk about the defense. Still, their next winner, the next winner is the third down defense and the red zone defense. The stat line is as follows. The Steelers defense held the Tampa Bay Buccaneers four for 14 on third downs. Think about that. Tom Brady, four for 14 on third downs. That's unheard of. And then not only that, in the red zone, one for four. The Steelers defense, I know I've said that this this coaching staff, all of it, all the way down, it deserves all the credit in the world. Those are just two areas where they really, really showed up. We have two more winners. The fact that they didn't turn the ball over is the next winner. It was a clean effort on all fronts. And something I forgot to add, and I will go back and add this for sure in the article, is that we had uh, Mitch Trubisky with a fumble recovery. I didn't say that, and I got to give him credit. That was an athletic play. You have to to be able to watch that football bouncing all over the place, and you go back and get that before the defender gets it, keeping that stat line clean. It's huge. It was a huge, huge play. It turned a bad play. It kept a bad play from being a a game-changing play and a loss. They would have lost the game if he doesn't recover that fumble. A clean effort on all fronts. They didn't turn it over, and I said that was a key, and they stuck to it. That was great. That's the last winner of the day. This was an entire team victory. There's no other way of saying it. All three phases contributed in this win. You think about special teams, Chris Boswell nailing a 55-yarder, Presley Harvin punting the ball well. You had Steven Sims with the big plays on special teams, the return yards. You think about on offense, whether it's Najee Harris grinding out yards, whether it's Kenny Pickett throwing his first touchdown pass as a stealer, whether it's Mitch Trubisky coming off the bench and really performing above expectation, at least for me, and the defense, My gosh, the defense. How do you not talk about the defense? This was a team win. Coaches on down to the players. Kudos, team victory. Let's go to the two losers. Only two. And I got to do it. I hate singling out a player when you have a big win like this, but how do you not single out Kevin Dotson? Kevin Dotson. Okay, Kevin Dotson was penalized three times. Three times. And one of those plays was a play that he decided to hold a defender And then he lets him go, and that's the guy that comes in, which was uh, Devin uh, White, hits Kenny Pickett, and that's how Kenny Pickett gets a concussion. If you're going to hold the guy, at least don't let him tee off on your quarterback afterwards. And, oh, by the way, Kevin Dotson was the guy that was not on the football field for the field goal attempt, the 55-yarder, and the Steelers had to burn a timeout just to get him on the field. Not a banner day from Kevin Dotson. I will say this. After the game, Kevin Dotson took to Twitter And he said, all I can do is say sorry to my line and that I'll be better next time. A lack of discipline, I own it. So at least he took to social media, I guess, and said, hey, this one's on me, my bad. But still, he finds himself on the losers list. I I thought the interior was great with Dotson. Dotson's not having a good year at all. Maybe this is some of the stuff that the, the Steelers saw in him that they kind of were hesitant and pumped the brakes a little bit. I don't know. 
Kevin Dotson's on the loser list. The next is the in-game management. Everything from the clock management before halftime. And I'm not talking about after the two-minute warning. I'm talking about in front of the two-minute warning when the Steelers had the ball with, I think, 2.30 left. The play calling just made no sense whatsoever. They end up only burning 30 seconds off the clock. They give the ball back to Tom Brady and the Bucks. They have... All I think all two timeouts and the two-minute warning, they come down, they get a field goal. Just idiotic time management. Just clock management was awful. I talked about getting the plays in, in time. You know, I mean, this is something where you're not even giving your quarterback, whoever it is, a chance to look over the defense, check in, make calls, or anything like that. Just really, really bad in-game management. Again, this team, this organization, from a coaching standpoint all the way down to the players, there are still moments where they cannot get out of their own way. If this team wants to see any amount of success this year, whether it's vying for a division title or whether it's just trying to win a few games as they get some mojo going into next year, it doesn't matter. If they want to do anything positive, they're going to have to eliminate some of these brain fart moments that I call them, or just shooting yourselves in the foot. They have to stop it. They have to knock it off. The Kevin Dotson penalties, the bad time management, just really, really JV type stuff. And we're going to use a Mike Tomlin slogan where he talks about that's varsity ball, junior varsity. That stuff's junior varsity. They got to get it out of their system. All right, so there you have it, folks. Ten winners, two losers, after the Steelers' 20-18 to win over the Buccaneers in Week 16, it feels good to finally be talking about a win again. It is a victory Monday, folks. You wear those colors with pride. Not that you didn't anyways, because I know you did, because I still do. You wear those colors with pride. You stand tall with that 2-4 and four win, and you say, you know what? We're not dead yet. We're not dead yet. All right, folks, be on the lookout for the tweet on Tuesday. You can follow me on Twitter at J Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. I will put out the tweet on Tuesday morning asking questions for the mailbag. You all respond to that tweet. I will answer the question on the Wednesday show. So make sure you be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, folks, that's it for me. I got to go relax. I got to go get the site ready. You know it. How we finish out the show here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your day. Steelers win. I'll see you on Wednesday. This year.